this week's Garden of Amuna is titled, this lecture is titled, Genuine Tranquility. In the invite on Facebook you saw I wrote that the inner strength of the human being lies hidden within his tranquility. The gateway to tranquility is Amuna. So tonight's topic is going to be Garden of Amuna, Genuine Tranquility. So, what is the Hebrew word? That's the first thing I try to sit down and figure out. What is the Hebrew word for tranquility? What will we be dealing tonight with? What word in Hebrew for tranquility? The word I came up with is menucha. Even though menucha means rest, but when we talk about menucha on Shabbat, we're talking about tranquility. And that's why there are so many rules about Shabbat to preserve tranquility to the point where you're not allowed to even think about work. You're definitely not allowed to speak about work. The Talmud goes so far as to say that on Shabbat a person was walking in his backyard and he noticed that the fence was broken and he said, or thought, I've got to remember what the Gemara says, I think he said that, oh, after Shabbat I've got to fix the fence. And because he said that, he took upon himself that he will not do it. Because he had no business on Shabbat talking about work. And the Talmud tells us that a miracle happened and the tree grew there. Hashem acknowledged what he did for Shabbat and Hashem helped him. Unfortunately, as good Jews, we came up with a loophole. And what is the loophole? That before we talk business on Shabbos, we say, Nishtin Shabbos Geret. <laughs> Nishtin Shabbos Geret means not Shabbos speaking. A very interesting phenomenon. That would be like, Nish Kosher Geret, let me eat pork. But whatever, whatever it is, I'm not here to start up with Jews. But uh, the point is that Shabbat is Minucha. And Minucha is what we're going to use today as a gateway into the Torah's view of tranquility. So we're talking about Ba Shabbat, Ba Menucha, comes Shabbat, comes Menucha. Today we're using the word Menucha as tranquility. Let's give a little peek into what the Zohar says about Shabbat. And we get a little peek into what the Zohar says about Shabbat, we'll understand what genuine tranquility really is, and then we'll also be able to understand how we can endeavor to bring genuine tranquility into our lives. So which Torah portion does the Zohar talk about Shabbat? Interesting enough, it's not what you think it is. It's actually in the opening of the portion of Noah. In the portion of Noah, it says, Eile told Noah, Noah is tzaddik. And our sages are bothered by why does it say twice the word Noah? It should have said these are the offspring of Noah. Noah was a righteous man and it goes on to his children. That's what it does say. What it should have said, these are the offsprings of Noah, the righteous man. Why say no? These are the offsprings of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Why twice Noah? And what we're taught is that there are two Noahs. There's the higher Noah and there's the lower Noah. And to understand that there's two Noahs, we're taught that there's two Shabbats. Shabbatot. And what are the two Shabbatots? 
One Shabbat is Friday night, and one Shabbat is Shabbat morning. There are two different levels of Shabbat. That's why, by the way, if you're careful in your prayer, there's a certain prayer that we say three times on Shabbat, actually four times because we also do it in Musaf. But you probably know the song because most of us sing it in song in, in the shul. What's the verse say there? V'yenuchu. What goes after V'yenuchu, people? Well, that depends. Friday night you say V'yenuchu va. Shabbos morning you say V'yenuchu vo. And by Minchi you say V'yenuchu vam. Most people have that blank look that you have on your face right now. Because we're so used to saying it by heart, we never even realized that there's three different words. What we need to know for now is just the first two. Friday night, people, kick up your uh, Hebrew school. Va is feminine. Shabbos morning, we say voy. Voy is masculine. There are two different levels. Vayanuchu, rest, minucha, ba or bo. What is the difference? The difference is that Friday night is one level of tranquility. And Shabbat morning is a different level of tranquility. And you need to have Friday night before you can have Shabbat morning. What is the tranquility of Friday night? The tranquility of Friday night is not an identity of its own. The tranquility of Friday night is the absence of the opposite of tranquility. So Friday night, we're not expecting people to be experiencing tranquility as tranquility is an identity of its own. Rather, we're expecting people to experience tranquility through letting go of the fragmentation of the work week. The work week fragments us. We're wearing 20 different hats. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we're doing. We're falling apart. We can't take it no more. What do you expect from me? And then comes Shabbat, Friday night. And all we're asking you to do Friday night is leave, go. As they say in the AA, let go, let God. So we're not asking you yet to find your inner peace and glow. Which, by the way, <laughs> I must tell you, I'm being recorded and she may listen to this, so I should be careful. But I have an aunt, she shall live and be well, who has that magic. You did not want to cross her path Friday during the day. You're going to end up with a mop and getting screamed at. Somehow, this is probably the only woman I know who had the magic, has the magic, she's still living to 120 that Friday when she lit the candles it did not make a difference if right after she lit the candles someone knocked over the most expensive beautiful salad bowl with the salad on the floor if you would have done that five minutes before she lit the candles that would be called suicide homicide something like that <laughs> but once she lit the candles didn't make a difference the whole table turned over she lit her candles it's done Friday night, the tranquility of Friday night, what we're asking for is leave, go. 
That's one level of tranquility. The tranquility here is not a positive commandment, so to speak, as much as it is the negative prohibition. I don't mean negative as in bad. I mean the prohibition of thou shall not work. By not working, you're resting. So it isn't the positive commandment of thou shall rest. I'm making this up, but I just want to be clear. It's not the positive concept of thou shall rest as much as it is the prohibition of thou shall not work. So what we're asking you to do is not to all of a sudden become this pillar of tranquility because you have this inner peace. We're asking you to stop running around. When I prepared this, I asked myself, how do you do this? Because the Garden of Amuna classes are wonderful, but they need to be practical. I told people over and over again, in the world of Chabad, no matter how mystical we get, we do not want you to float out of here. We want you to walk out of here. So it's a beautiful concept. Let go, let God. But let's be practical. So to be practical, we need to talk about what does it mean to let go? How do you let go? Why don't people let go? One of the biggest problems with letting go is that we're really afraid that God can't manage without us. And if I let go, the world's going to fall apart. It's just a serious problem. It's a God complexion. Messiah complexion. Whatever you want to call it. Without me, if I shut off my phone for 24 hours, Iran is going to fall off the globe. Friday night is station identification. Friday night is where we realize I am the servant of God. I don't own the place. I don't run the place. But I do work for the one that does own this place and does run this place. Let me share with you a very interesting concept. It's actually interesting. Just today I met with someone at Starbucks. That's in my other office. And I met with someone at Starbucks today and we had a great conversation. And in it we had this very interesting topic where I shared with him something personal. So I'm going to do it again. Today is the 21st day of Tavis. It is exactly one year, one month, and three days. Which means the 19th of Kislev exactly one year ago. Last year of Kislev. I took upon myself a very interesting resolution. I want to share with you what that resolution was. And I want to share with you the withdrawal symptoms I went through when I first started this resolution. You see, once upon a time, when I would daven, I didn't shut off my phone. I would put it on silent. I had to put it on silent because I couldn't answer the phone anyway. And I didn't want everyone in the shul to scream at me for having my phone on. You know that beautiful little post that they have in shuls now? Your communication is interfering with mine. Shut off your phones. So I really had an interesting experience. 
Because if I'm not going to answer the phone anyway, why didn't I shut it off? Why did I just put it on silent? I'll tell you why I had to put it on silent. Because if someone called me and didn't leave a message, so if I shut off the phone, I'll never know they called. But if I leave the phone on and I just put it on silent, thank God they keep track of all the incoming calls and I'll be able to save the world right when I finish davening. You have no idea. You think it's funny. You have no idea what kind of challenge it was for me to shut the phone and not know who called me and didn't leave a message. <laughs> my biggest fear was that my big million dollar donation <laughs> is going to happen right in the middle of Davani. But believe it or not, what goes on there? What goes on is that you have to sit and work this through. Most people call me because they need something from me. I don't mean me because I'm me. I'm just, that's just, you know, very seldom someone calls me up and says, I was wondering what I can do for you today. So most people call me because they need me, just like with you. And if they need me, they're going to leave a message. And if they don't leave a message, they're going to call back. So what's the big spiel in shutting off your phone? Now it's funny because ask yourself, how often do you shut off your phone? So it's really a challenge. You understand now what the challenge of tranquility is? Because it isn't easy to play God. It isn't easy to understand that God is in control and believe it or not, he can manage without me for at least an hour of davening a day. I mean, he is God. I don't want to create this dependency that God's dependent upon me, right? So I got to shut off my phone every once in a while. But the, the, the real point I'm trying to make here is Friday night challenge is not an easy challenge. And it really comes from a God complex, which is really ego, which really is the exact, the exact opposite of Amuna. So one of the biggest challenges, if you even want to get into Shabbat, we're not even talking about Shabbat morning yet. <laughs> we didn't get up to the challenge. We're talking about the Friday night chicken soup. If you even want to get to Friday night, you need to be able to let go, let God. It's just that simple. And without that, you don't have tranquility. So the first step we're talking about here is, is understanding that God is the boss. I work for God. And this God I work for told me that this is not an optional vacation. I want you to take off every Shabbat. I want you to shut your phone. I want you to stop worrying. Friday night, when the woman lights the candles, that house needs to stop worrying. Stop working. Stop asking himself if I did it right. What didn't I do? What did I have to do Monday morning? Just stop. That is the first level of Noah. And if you can't do that, you can't have tranquility. And in order to be able to do that, you need to have a Muna. And the most fundamental, ridiculous way of understanding it is that God will manage without you. Not only will he manage with the other six billion people, he'll even take care of you without you getting in the way. Friday night is extremely, extremely important. 
So the first level of genuine tranquility is every once in a while to realize that yes, it is God's commandment to us as human beings to be Leshevet Yitzhara, to keep the world a sane place, and as Jews to take it to the next level and make it a divine place. Yes, God put us in the cockpit of creation. And that is a huge responsibility. But don't make the mistake of thinking that God made you boss. And don't make the mistake of thinking that without you, this whole place is going to fall apart. And thus Friday night, with absolute certainty and inner peace, shut your phone, don't be available, don't think about your work, don't think about the entire what's going on in the world. Right now it's Shabbat Kodesh. That is the first and most important part of genuine tranquility. And yes, I'm quoting them, let go, let God. So I'm talking to you about Friday night, but I also told you a personal story about morning prayers. It is extremely important that every single day we taste Shabbat. And the way you taste Shabbat on a regular weekday is called prayer. And the one thing I have taught my children, because it's difficult for them, they're the rabbi's sons, and they sit in the front with the back facing to everyone, and for a yenta that is torture. So it's really difficult, they have to turn around and see who's talking, and who's not talking, and who's this and who's that. And what I try to teach them is a simple thing. The gateway into davening is to create a bubble around you. The creation is outside of the bubble. You and God are inside the bubble. And no, there are no windows in that bubble. So Friday night is extremely important. It's important as a Friday night of the week, and it's important as the opening of prayer experience. So step number one to tranquility. Stop playing God. Serve God the best you can. And when he tells you to take a break, that is a mitzvah, just like when he told you, get out and work. And I want to share with you one more interesting story. There's a story where I'm assuming that it came from the Rebbe of Blessed Memory because this man who worked for the Rebbe would never call up someone by himself. But the top secretary of the Rebbe was a man by the name of Rabbi Chadakov. Rabbi Chadakov called up this shliach, this was way back in the day, and notified him that they're expecting him to open up a Hebrew school, which in those days wasn't as easy as today. And this man answered Rabbi Chadakov, I cannot do that. And Rabbi Chadakov was arguing with him. You have to do it. I can't do it. Back and forth, back and forth. They're talking about the demographics. They're talking about what's going on, what isn't going on. Why could you? Why can't you? Why do you have to? Until he told Rabbi Chadakov 
a very powerful statement. Rabbi Chadakov, I know myself, I know my talents, I know what I could do, and I know what I can't do. Opening up a Hebrew school right now is something I can't do. Rabbi Chadakov stopped him and said, Ooh, I just want to understand. And that which you did succeed is because you could do it? Have you forgotten who you work for? Station identification. So, the reason, I'm going to tell you one more story. I spoke to a doctor, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have permission to mention his name, but I spoke to a doctor who lives in Weston. And in conversation, this was many years ago. And in conversation, I asked him, doctor, how do you deal with losing a patient? I don't mean losing him by losing his business. I mean by losing him, losing him. And he told me a very powerful, very powerful answer. He told me, Rabbi, if I take sole credit for the patients that I saved, then I need to take sole blame for the patients that I lose. But if I believe that it's God who saves patients, that I can rest with the fact that it's God who decided this patient's life is complete. Please understand, all I'm doing right now is giving you tools how to let go. Because if we understand that what we do accomplish and what we do engage is by the commandment of God and by the power of God, then we can leave go by the commandment of God and by the power of God. But he who dares to play a role which is not his will not know tranquility. So level number one of genuine tranquility. Know when you did your part and know when to let go. And be okay with that. Then we talk about the next stage. The next stage is the Shabbos morning. Shabbos morning is a different concept of tranquility. It's more challenging. Because this tranquility is not the absence of fragmentation. This tranquility is something that even those who are not fragmented must rise up to experience. It's not the absence of work. It's the ultimate positive experience where it becomes a creature of its own. I am now experiencing peace. Not because I don't have to run to the office, but because I am right now experiencing the positive, the creation known as tranquility. I want to introduce this with an interesting law. The law is, when it comes to the mikveh, there's different bodies of water when it comes to the law of mikveh. Some bodies of water need X amount of water in order to be, have the power of purifying. But then there's something called well water. When we talk about well water, there's an interesting law. Well water purifies with one drop. 
if you can fit something into that drop of well water, that drop of well water is an entire mikveh in its own. However, that's only if it's still connected to the well. Once it leaves connection to the well, it doesn't have that power. I, want, I chose to open up this concept, level B, of genuine inter- tranquility with this law. Because understand that a drop of omnipotence is omnipotent, but it needs to be connected with omnipotence. Once the drop of omnipotence is disconnected from omnipotence, it is no more omnipotent. Understanding this brings huge, genuine tranquility. Because your soul is a drop of the omnipotent well, God. And as long as your drop of omnipotence is connected to the well, it, as tiny as it may be, is omnipotent. What that means is, and I want to share with you just an interesting concept I spoke to someone once. I was having a conversation, and in the conversation, at Shluchim, we had a group, a Shluchim conference call, we were talking, and someone asked me a question. It's the job of a Chabad Shliach to be a friend of every Jew in the community. Because there are certain things you'll only say to someone who's your friend. And if you're not their friend, then you haven't opened the door for them to be able to turn to you as their shliach. Thus, the question becomes, how many friends can any one individual have? The bigger question is that friends drain you. And if your friend drains you, how many friends can you have before you're drained? That was the question posed to me. I want to share with you my answer. I told him as follows. The friend that drains you, even one such friend is more than you can handle. But if it's a healthy relationship, then you can have an infinite amount of friends. Because when you hang up the phone after a one-hour conversation with a healthy friend, not only aren't you drained, you're rejuvenated. Even though this time you were the giver in the conversation, they were leaning on you. Genuine tranquility is something that is that drop that's connected to the well and never gets drained. But to be able to do that, you need to be in touch, A, with your drop of omnipotence, and B, make sure that the drop of omnipotence is connected to the well of omnipotence. And whenever life, or more specifically, Whenever Judaism is draining you, 
realize that you're experiencing an unhealthy Judaism and an unhealthy relationship with God. The morning that you wake up and you feel like Bill Cosby did when he was acting out the Noah scene. Remember that scene? Noah, what? Noah, what? And finally, no, what? <laughs> the day that you wake up in the morning and you say that to God, realize that you're experiencing an unhealthy relationship with God. An unhealthy Judaism. Yiddishkeit should never come to the point where you have reached with the, what? I can't take it no more. God, would you leave me alone? Just give me my space. Just please. You're in my kitchen, you're in my bedroom, you're in my closet, you're in my bathroom. There's laws for everything. Would you just back off? Just back off, God. I'm having a bad day today. Back off. The day that you enter that zone, realize that's just proving me that even before you got there, you are having an unhealthy relationship with God. If every single mitzvah doesn't rejuvenate your soul and doesn't feel like the drop of the well is connecting to the well, realize that you are experiencing an unhealthy Judaism. You're feeling fragmented, you're feeling drained, and what more does God want from me? So the second level of genuine tranquility really depends upon you finding your inner, inner strength. And the only way you can find that inner strength is by really being in touch with the ultimate point of emuna. And here I want to talk to you about one more concept. I read this amazing, many years ago, I read this amazing research. It was a research on longevity. They wanted to know why some people live for the three digits. And because they understood that there's genetics involved, there's environment involved, there's food involved, so they didn't do a specific area. This actually was a global research. They went through all different types of people, different countries, different gene pools, and they wanted to find something in common. And yes, absolutely for certain, there is genes involved, there's environment involved. True. Don't live in Manhattan and smoke and spins and just breathe in all that wonderful stuff there and then expect to live long. But nevertheless, there's something else that they were looking for. Something common. Do you know what was amazing? They actually found that in those who have longevity, many of them lived horrific experiences in life. Real Holocaust catastrophes. So now they were interested because, whoa, one would say that the ABCs of being able to live long is not to have to deal with real stress. We're talking about stress of a child, God forbid, that passed away after a long, long debilitating sickness. We're talking about serious stuff they had. So they wanted to know what's the secret of longevity. And do you know what they found? They found one, this, is a, this wasn't a uh, Jewish magazine. This wasn't a religious magazine. It wasn't a New Age magazine. It was a medical magazine. They found something very interesting. 
the one trait they found in common with all people that lived long was the emuna factor of being able to accept what happens to them. Knowing that it comes from a higher source and thus it must be okay. Those of you who ever dabbled with Dale Carnegie's uh, Live a Worry-Free Life, he actually has an amazing piece in that book where at some point he was interviewing a woman whose son was Nebuch really, really, really terminally ill. And he asked her how he dealt with, she dealt with it. And she said, I neither slept, I neither lived, my life was destroyed, I was heading down the path of death. Until one day, I walked out of the hospital, this is what she's writing, you can read it. I walked out of the hospital, and in the parking lot, I looked up to heaven and said, God, thy will be done, not mine. And she said that that was the first time since this started that I went home and I slept like a baby. If you talk about inner strength that comes from genuine tranquility, you cannot do that without emuna. <laughs> you can try liquid form, powder form, it won't work. Genuine tranquility needs to come from that place within you which is a drop of the well and it needs to be connected to the well. At some point we need to be able to really embrace that whatever happens to me in my life isn't even a punishment for something I did. It is ultimately the will of God. And now I want to share with you an amazing song created by the holy Rablevi Yitzchak Baditsheva. The song is called Dudale. And it comes from the word do in Yiddish. The word do in Yiddish means you. And the words of the song are as follows. Everything is you. If it's good, it's you. If it's bad, it's you. If it's you, it's good. I want to go over the song again. Everything is you. If it's good, it's you. If it's bad, it's you. And if it's you, it's good. My friends, there is no shortcut to tranquility. The greatest, the greatest antagonist of tranquility is ego. When one does not accept who he or she is and who he or she is not. I want to share with you another story. Another story of Emuna, which really allows you to experience tranquility. The Alter Rebbe and his classmates, known as the Chavraya Kadisha, the holy group, they were the students of the Magid. We're not talking about your average graduating class. They had a conversation, and in this conversation, they asked the question, 
what would you do different if you were God? Imagine a question by Tzadikim. They started from the oldest student and they worked their way down to the youngest student. The youngest student was Zalmanu the Litvak, otherly known as the Alter Rebbe. Everyone said what they would change. And you can imagine what was going on there. No poor, no sick, children wouldn't die. I mean, you can imagine what these holy people were worried about. And then it came the Alter Rebbe's turn, the last one. And they asked him, Nuzalmanu, what would you change? And he said, if I was God, I would change nothing. Because if I was God, I understand why God does it. I'm going to repeat this answer. If I was God, I would change nothing. For if I was God, I would understand why God does it. Inner tranquility is being okay with who you are, where you are at this moment. Knowing that you need to grow. Sadikim en lahem menucha. The righteous cannot have the type of peace that comes from complacency. If you just took a breath, you just are obligated to grow. And yet, that never-ending yearning for growing closer to God growing closer today than I was yesterday, does not infringe upon the absolute genuine tranquility of being able to say, I am exactly what I am supposed to be. I am exactly where I am supposed to be at this very moment. I've told you stories of tzaddikim. I want to tell you another story of a, a very great rabbi in Israel, a Chabad Mashpi of Kra Chabad Yeshiva, known as Reb Zalman Gutman. Really, really, really dynamic man, very special man. And it was years since he was by the Akafot of the Rebbe. The first time I met him by the Akafot of the Rebbe was in 1990. And the reason he came is because his daughter was engaged. The reason I got to sit with him was because his daughter was engaged to my cousin, who today, both of them together, are the Chabad emissaries in Weston, in Florida. And wanting to kick up conversation with Rabbi Zalman Gautam. So I asked him the best question you can ask someone right after Akafot. Rabbi Zalman, did you see everything? <laughs> he already had a Lachaim of two or three or four. And he looked at me and he said, Avrumi, I saw everything I was supposed to see. Tranquility. Tranquility is in, it's, it's demanding us to trust Hashem. To trust that I am always in the right place at the right time. The worst, the worst 
experience a human can have is they're never okay with where they are because they're always worried about where they're not. It is tormenting yourself. It is the absolute lack of emunah. The gift of emunah is to know that I have God within me. So I don't need to look for him outside. I have a drop of the omnipotent well within me. And as long as I keep that drop connected to the well, I never have to worry about not being in the right place at the right time. Because, to quote the famous saying of Hasidim, if Hashem is here, everything is here. The ray, I'm not going to get into the deeper definition of what I'm about to say according to Kabbalah, but the ray is yearning because the ray is not the essence and the ray is yearning for the essence. The essence never yearns. What should it yearn for? It is. The ray is not, and thus the ray yearns for that which is. But the essence yearns for nothing, for nowhere, for it is. And when it is, everything is here. There is a cute saying that they say. You ask a guy, come, 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 guy, sit by the head of the table. And very often the guy will tell you, wherever I sit is the head of the table. There's a power to that. You want to know where you should be? Look where you are. Can you be okay with it? Can you not have to record every single show because I'm going to be somewhere else? Can you not have to buy the television that splits into 12 scenes because just in case I'm missing something on another channel? Can you just be okay with who you are, where you are right now? Because if you have within you a drop of everything, which is connected to the well of everything, then don't worry. So here I am defining the practical definition of tranquility is emunah. The emunah I'm talking to you about right now is to know that within you is a drop of essence. As long as you keep that essence connected to the well of essence, you don't have to worry about what you're not, who you're not, where you're not, and when you're not. Because it is. And thus, you are. And just be okay with that. Know that in your life, you have seen everything you need to see. You have heard everything you need to hear. You have experienced everything you need to experience. More specifically, right now, in this second, you are everyone you need to be, you are everywhere you need to be, you are exactly who you need to be. That is Shabbat morning. It's where you come to that point where you can stop running. Because whatever I'm looking for is right here in me. And nevertheless, 
if in 30 minutes from now, I'm still exactly who I was 30 minutes ago, I was complacent. That's not a good thing. Tranquility and complacency have nothing in common. Because remember, Shabbat morning is not the absence of running. Friday night was let go, let God. Shabbos morning was more than just that. Shabbos morning was realizing that everything is I and I am everything in my world that I need to be. So what am I worrying about? Where am I running to? And why am I so worried of the ticking clock? Simple emunah. The absolute tranquility of knowing God will always bring me to where I need to be, when I need to be, and that's what I need to do. In closing. We spoke tonight that genuine tranquility is where inner strength lies. Genuine tranquility we refer to today as Shabbat. I shared with you the Zohar's teaching that there is two levels of Shabbat. Friday night and Shabbat morning. Friday night's tranquility is not an identity of its own. It's leaving go of running. It's leaving go of the fragmentation of the week. And in order to be able to do that, you need to have a munah that God can handle the world without you. It's okay. You're only the worker of God. You're not the boss here. The boss will take care of it. Anyone who's been in business will know that there's the boss and there's the worker. And the only reason why workers choose to be workers and not to be bosses is because they want to be able, when the day ends, to go home and not worry about work. The boss can never not worry about his business. In this world, we're not the boss. We're the worker. We do everything we can for God, and then Friday night sunset, we go home and not worry. Let go, let God. Friday night tranquility. Emunah. Shabbat morning emunah is a much deeper paradigm. Once you've learned to let go, let God, then we can go to the next stage. And you can realize that you are a drop of omnipotence, which means you are omnipotent. You are a drop of essence, which means you are essence. As long as you're staying connected to the well of essence. And once you realize that you're essence, you don't need to yearn to be anywhere, to be anything, and worry. Because where you are is where everything is for you. And just be okay with that. You always are exactly who you are, where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be. Genuine tranquility. And yet, in parentheses, again, there is nothing synonymous between tranquility and complacency. Complacency actually robs you of tranquility. That's all for folks.